Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCorp Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Alex Owens uh, about the reasons for and the implications of the rise in in in-home testing. So we're very excited to talk about that. It's a big, big topic, I think. Alex is the medical lead at Hurdle, which was founded in 2017, and is dedicated to analyzing biological samples and giving actionable information to help providers and patients make the best healthcare uh, decisions together. Alex, uh, welcome to Clinical Lab Chat. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here. This is an area that I'm really interested in, and I, I think a lot of laboratorians are really interested in today. So um, I think it really has a, a great, I think this. I hate to overstate this, but I think this could be very, a re- very revolutionizing uh, sort of force in testing and healthcare system as a whole. So let's let's get into just chatting about this a little bit. So uh, now there was some at-home testing prior to COVID, uh, but uh, it seems that if there's one major societal change that resulted from the pandemic is making at-home testing almost uh, you. Uh, ubiquitous, or at least in demand, and and we discussed in the in the pre-interview. I recently had to uh, do some at-home testing myself uh, uh, a couple of times, so which was very very convenient, and uh, because I had some emergent things that were happening uh, with some family members, so we had to make sure that we were all we we're all okay. So, is this an oversimplification that, uh, or or was at-home testing uh, to the level that we could say that it was an inevitable inevitability? I mean, were we on that road already, and and COVID pushed us along, or was COVID really to blame in a way uh, for at-home testing? Well, hello, Chris. Great to be with you, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, it's a great frame, and it's a great place to start our conversation. Um, I think if you were designing a uh, program of education uh, for people to get comfortable with at-home testing, you couldn't really uh, have designed one better than the COVID pandemic, which really um, created this need worldwide, as you describe, for people to test at home by a variety of different modalities, whether that was PCR testing or lateral flow testing um, in order to be able to get back to their activities of daily living um, and to re-enter uh, the workplace, um, the uh, the gym, the you know, wherever it is, get back to traveling, whatever it is they wanted to do. Um, certainly before COVID, at-home testing was a nascent um, industry and you know with the move in general towards hybrid models of care um, it was something that was up and coming but I think we can certainly say that the COVID-19 pandemic really accelerated at-home testing in the eyes of consumers got them used to testing for COVID and therefore opened their minds to hey what else could I test for in the comfort and convenience of my own home maybe without even going to visit a doctor's office. So yeah, I think um, I would say was there before, but very much accelerated by the pandemic. And I think we're going to see increased growth in this sector 
um, because people are just so much more comfortable uh, with with testing. Right, for sure. And and I like you know the convenience factor. I think is is the big. I think it's a big selling point. And then you know, and other kinds of testing, STI testing. I know there's some uh, uh, good home tests now for STI testing. Uh, for some other just general tests. Uh, now we have some multiplex tests for uh, COVID flu. Uh, that are coming out, which are, are really, uh, really exciting uh, about that. And this kind of leads into my next question. Uh, it's not just convenience, but it's also access. I mean, there was a big uh, article that came out last year, uh, I think it was last year in The Lancet, that discussed how I think it's 47% of people in the entire world don't have access to basic medical testing. Not, not anything, we're not even talking like you know, really advanced genetic testing. We're, we're talking really, really basic stuff. So what does that access mean, not only to patients, but to the clinical labs? Now walk, walk me through the wins that we get from accessibility that at-home testing promises. You kind of indicated that a little bit. You don't have to call that your doctor, uh, make a, an appointment for a very simple test. But what are some of the other wins, particularly in the context of, say, clinical labs and just the healthcare system in, in general? Yeah, I think that's um, a great question. What you mentioned, you know, we, we talked about that value proposition of convenience, right? Where right. people can test with, on their own schedule in their own homes. There's also, as you mentioned, discretion. And I think that comes into play, particularly when it comes to uh, sexual health testing. It's often something mm -hmm. people want to do in, in um, the comfort of their own home. Um, but yes, access and expanding access to uh, to diagnostic and screening tests is one of the biggest uh, benefits that we can unlock through at-home testing um and you, you touched on it but it's it, it's crucial uh to understand that a lot of these tests are really not that um, complex or expensive they're just currently not available in the modalities that are conducive to you know at home to, to, to people being able to take them at home so but we're but thankfully seeing that change so what we're seeing a lot of now is uh, and at hurdle uh, a lot of our focus is on at home testing uh using dry blood spot for hba1c right. for example um, right. and 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 or um you know fit testing for uh, colorectal cancer screening mm -hmm. and the thing about these tests is that a lot of people are just going about their daily lives and, and you know, people are busy. Um, they may, might, may have one annual physical uh, a year. Um, uh, you know, it, thinking about um, you know, what, what you might be at risk of, whether it's in these examples, prediabetes or colorectal cancer may not be mm -hmm. top of mind for consumers. By making it easy to take that test at home and send it back and just get into that habit of testing regularly, I think that's how we can expand access to these very readily available technologies um, and bring that time of diagnosis um, earlier, which means we can intervene earlier. And in the case of for, for prediabetes, for example, if we identify someone through an at-home HbA1c test who is in the pre-diabetic range, there are very straightforward lifestyle, you know, dietary and exercise interventions they can take to actually go get back into a healthy HbA1c range and avoid progression to type two diabetes. So, right. you know, by by getting by enabling that access to um, to early testing, early diagnosis, and early intervention, there's a real opportunity there to prolong to to expand people's quality and quantity of life. 
Yeah, and and to back up a little bit in terms of also in a, in a slightly different way, I uh, this years and years ago, uh, I actually had a really bad case of flu, and I I got delayed getting to my doctor, and by the time I got there, first thing they did was it gave me a chest X-ray because they thought I had bacterial pneumonia. It was really 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 serious. I think I'm wondering too. Also, with at home testing, uh, it also helps to for the those general practitioners and other specialists to help to triage a little bit as well. You know, say, hey, I took a test. Uh, I took a home test for flu or COVID. I came up positive. I feel really bad. These are my symptoms. They might say, okay, get in. We'll, we'll make room for you right away. So do you think it also helps with maybe uh, the continuum of care? You know, we always talk about the continuum of care. I, I, you know, sometimes... I hate to say it. I, I I don't know if we 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 honor that as much as we should, but um, do you think that helps too? It's not just accessibility, but also as you were talking about with like the H one C side of things, you get into treatment faster. You get you get it resolved faster before it turns into something extremely serious. You have to go to the hospital. You're using up those resources. Uh, you know, it's expensive uh, for the consumer and for the for the healthcare uh, enterprise itself. I mean, is that, is that do you see some of the benefits there? Is that another win, win that we're seeing? Yeah, and I'm really glad you, you brought that up because something we think about a lot at Hurdle is how can we build tests which fit seamlessly in with the clinical workflow? Because I think a, a real yeah. pitfall of you know digital health more generally, but specifically diagnostic testing is when things are developed, I guess, in silos or seen as oppositional to existing clinical workflows. Right. What, what we would really emphasize is that we want to be just another tool in the arsenal of a primary care physician or a specialty doctor who wants to, yeah, exactly, make their workflow more efficient, use their time and their patient's time more efficiently. And so to your example, taking that flu test or combination flu COVID test before visiting uh, the, the, the practice might help that uh, physician or clinician to triage, you know, what that patient is going to likely yeah. need, decide, hey, actually, we need to do a physical examination or some further diagnostic imaging here to make the decision. Or maybe with the information we have to hand, we can make the best care decision for this patient right now and get them the treatment they need more quickly than we could in the absence of that diagnostic testing. So absolutely, I think we need to be working together to figure out how do these diagnostics fit in with existing clinical workflows to make everyone's life and workflow uh, more efficient. Right, right. And this this leads me into, so recently, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on the uh, pre-interview and, and recently uh, there was a comment on something I put on LinkedIn at, about home care, uh, at home and point of care testing. And uh, someone wrote wrote in a comment that said that they thought it really, point of care testing in particular, and I think probably by implication at home testing as well, had a potential to really undercut labs. Uh, we talked about this in the pre-interview. You really disagreed with this point and, mm-hmm. I, I, and you had a really interesting uh, answer uh, about why you disagree with this and how actually this might be more of an opportunity. For labs, so you could maybe uh, um, uh, recollect what we talked about uh, then, and 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 you can uh, explain why you think that this is more of an opportunity and not something labs should be afraid of. 
Absolutely. Well, I think it's an interesting comment. And I, I certainly think up front, we need to make a distinction between point of care testing and then at home self-collect testing. Um, the distinction being that there are some technologies which enable that point of care testing, like, for example, we're all very familiar with COVID uh, lateral flow tests, which are sent right. to the consumer. They take the test, they are able to interpret the test themselves, and then they have an answer. And, and those tests are very helpful. We also have at-home self-collect tests, which are sent to the, the, the consumer. They um, take the test, uh, ship it all back to the lab, and then the lab analyzes it, and then that result is, is sent to the patient. Um, clearly, in this latter scenario, the lab is remains absolutely central to the analysis of that sample and a very important stakeholder in the process. And that's where I think at Hurdle, we're very focused on working with labs to actually just expand their ability to offer those services, whether that's partnering with us to um, send those uh, labs directly to the consumer, partnering with us and our our um, business-to-business -business partners, so whether that's payers, insurers, um, large health plans, or telemedicine organizations. And the way, and, and, um, and the way we think about that is really it's a win-win-win because the lab is, as I said, a central stakeholder who is actually just doing a higher volume of testing um, by making it available through uh, our platform or through our, our partners' platforms. So I think that, um, uh, you know, news of the lab's death in this scenario is greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I certainly think yeah. that labs have a, a very central role in uh, and shouldn't be threatened at all by, by the growth in this at-home diagnostic sector. Right. And, and in ma many cases with the at-home tests, and uh, particularly in the early days of COVID, uh, I was fortunate. Uh, fortunately, I, I had COVID. I had to take a. I took an at-home test. It came up positive. It. I wasn't very sick. Uh, I just, you know, uh, was a good citizen. Stayed home for a, a week, uh, and uh, and then other case I was exposed, etc. But, but in this case, it's still just still indicative. I mean, even even if I had symptoms that were severe and I needed to go see my primary. Uh, at-home testing also isn't an end-all uh, in, in many cases. It's more indicative, right? I mean, that, that's the other thing we always have to keep in mind, that just because I have a positive COVID test, I don't have symptoms. That doesn't mean I have it. That just means that the test said uh, it's a it, could be a false, it could be a false positive. It also could, I could be positive, you know, I don't think this is the case, you know, I, or it could be negative and have symptoms. That's that's not, uh, not, that's not the case. They both have to to kind of line up, obviously, and that doesn't mean it's more indicative. Again, it, it could be a false positive. You could have something else, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a medical person, so I, I can't really speak to that. But uh, that's my understanding: is that a lot of the at-home tests are more indicative. I, I think if I call up my doctor, knowing him, he would say, "Yeah, come on in. We need to do another test." It was probably what would happen. For, for sure. And that actually is where coming back to that point of working together or working within existing clinical workflows, you're exactly right. A lot of the tests that we're doing um, at home um, by self-collection and capillary uh, draw are, so some of them actually, yes, they are diagnostic and, and we can prescribe, you know, an antibiotic or 
um, a course of treatment off the back of, of that test. But other tests, uh, to your point, are more indicative and they're more intended for uh, for screening purposes. Um, right. and, and we would suggest doing further diagnostic confirmatory testing before proceeding with a, 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 a particular course of action. I think that's where that collaboration with existing clinical workflows and, and clinicians um, is becomes most important because when those uh, when when clinicians trust uh, at baseline the at home testing uh, that has been done uh, and you see the value of expanding access and expanding the number of people we're able to screen by making it more convenient, discreet, and cost effective for them to test. We can view that as a positive. Um, when, when, you know, those tests come back, uh, you know, uh, and, ne and are appropriate, appropriately, um, con you know, dealt with by those clinicians and, and further confirmatory testing is done, um, speeding up the, you know, that, that patient's journey to getting the, the treatment that they need. Um, so okay. I think, yeah. All right, great. Um, all right, well, tell me a little bit about Hurdle. We I, I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning of the the the, the recording. Uh, what do you offer? Uh, what's on, and what's on the horizon uh, for you in terms of at home testing? Sure. So uh, Hurdle was founded, as you mentioned, in twenty seventeen, and we uh, started our our co founders there. Uh, research area of, of interest is uh, epigenetic testing. Um, okay. And so really understanding the uh, impact of the environment um, on our genes and how those genes are expressed and how then we can measure uh, the expression of those genes to understand very uh, in depth um, what our risk for certain conditions is or how we're reacting and how we may be able to change our environment to improve our quality or quantity of life. So that's our kind of core founding interest. But as you mentioned, we've expanded since then to um, incorporate at-home diagnostics across a range of categories. So we are our, our, our first um, product was a saliva-based COVID test, which was the first of its kind. And we've since expanded through sexual health, men's health, women's health, general wellness, um, to really serve across the full gamut of clinical need. Uh, as I mentioned, some of our mo mo areas of greatest focus align with some of the greatest um, burdens of disease. So HbA1c mm -hmm. testing for diabetes, mm -hmm. fit testing for colorectal cancer risk, um, as well as sexual health uh, testing, which we view as, as one of the primary uh, use cases for um, at-home diagnostics as well. Um, and what, I suppose what differentiates Hurdle and, and why uh, what excites, I guess, the partners who we work with is that we are we view ourselves very much as the platform that delivers these diagnostics in a white-labeled, um, you know, plug-and-play mm. manner for all, all uh, you know, every every partner uh, who wants to work with us. We integrate with labs nationwide across the United States, which means that a lot of the issues that you know people face, whether it's regulatory or shipping or logistics 
all of that is handled on our platform and we're able to um, really get going, you know, day one uh, and really expand, as we were saying, access to at-home diagnostic testing um, for those for those partners who we work with. Um, and yeah, that, that's, I suppose that's in a nutshell how I, I okay. would describe what we're doing. Uh, I know you did ask about... Um, what is next? We are always working right. to expand our network of labs um, to make more um, epigenetic testing available, pharmacogenomic testing available, genetic testing. So all of those are on our uh, on our roadmap and things that we're excited about at the moment. Well, great! You sound like you have a you have a full full uh, a full complement that you're working with for sure. Um, <clears throat> so we. Um, we know that there's high interest in at-home testing now. That's what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes or so. Um, but what does five years uh, from now look like? So w let's polish off that uh, crystal ball a little bit, look in your tea leaves, wh whatever, however you look at the future. Uh, what do you expect the two of us will be speaking about uh, in five years about at-home testing? Uh, yeah, it's a fun question. Um, I, I think this actually comes back to this, comment that you saw about you know labs and the role of labs or is, is at-home testing a threat to labs some of the most compelling tests be are remain beyond the reach of at-home self-collect testing right today so when we think about you know a complete um metabolic panel or a complete blood count uh the reality is that mm -hmm. By at-home self-collect capillary blood testing, we, we just can't get the volume that we need right now right. to be able to run those assays. And I think what we're right. going to see is real innovation in that space. Where's that innovation going to be happening? It's the R&D that's happening in the lab to make those tests possible to do. And so I think in five years' time, we're going to be talking about um, how primary care physicians, hospital uh, clinicians how they're going to be able to um, proactively screen and test their patients in advance of any in-person or hybrid or telehealth visit, um, test their patients for, you know, not just the current suite of tests that are commonly available, HbA1c, et cetera, but they're actually going to be able to monitor those patients' complex conditions using assays like complete blood count or complete metabolic panel um, on an ongoing basis and it'll be seamlessly integrated with the clinical workflow uh, which I think is huge uh, ability to improve those clinicians uh, mm -hmm. lives uh, but more importantly improve the lives of patients particularly when you think Chris about those patients who have chronic medical conditions which bring yeah. them in and out of their uh, doctors and, and, and healthcare pro professionals very regularly think about, you know, how much time and energy uh, and expense that would save those patients if their their monitoring needs were able to be done by them in the comfort of their own home. I think it I think I think we'll be excitedly talking about that in five years time. Yeah. I, and I think it would also improve healthcare in general. You know, that goes back to what we were talking about, access people want doing it you know you, you i can't get to the doctor because my daughter couldn't bring me in today i missed the bus whatever whatever the case i'm too sick to go i you know but i'm well enough i could take a sample or a family member could take that sample for me or or, or what have you so yeah i think i think that uh i think you and i 
probably have a very interesting conversation in about five years. I think. I think you're. I think you're right uh, on that. And I, I hope you're right. Let's put it that way. So, unfortunately, with that, we've come to the end of our time, uh, Alex. Thanks again for taking the time to speak with me today about at-home testing. I, I think we we probably could revisit this uh, this topic again in the future. I, I hope you'd be willing to come back at some point. Uh, I also want to thank you, the laboratory audience, for listening. Uh, look for more episodes of Clinical Lab Chat in the near future. Uh, and visit us online at clpmag.com and on all of the major social media platforms. So until then... 